I kept having this song play on a loop in my head, and it's it's Fleetwood Mac, right? It's the go your own way. This is Personal Jurisdiction, a podcast where we get personal with lawyers about their careers. On today's episode, we welcome Anna Fodor. Anna is the Assistant Dean of Students and Adjunct Assistant Professor of Law at Marquette University Law School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi everyone, thanks so much for coming back and tuning in to Personal Jurisdiction. We are really excited about our guest today. She has a particularly unique perspective into law school and legal careers because she helps law students address difficult issues every single day. So without further ado, I give you Anna Fodor. Welcome, Anna. Hi, Hi Anna. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. So we want to start out, if you can just give us sort of a high-level overview of who you are, where you're from, where you went to law school, when you graduated, just so okay, we can so get acquainted. Okay, so my whole life story, basically. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. But quick. Uh, yeah, but quick, no fresh. Okay, so um, yeah, so I am. Uh, well, I'm from upstate New York originally, and then you know I worked in D.C. for a while before um, heading to law school in Chicago with a couple people I might know um, <laughs> at Northwestern Law School, and then after that, I worked in big law, of course, for a year, although not of course shouldn't be enough, of course. And then I clerked and then found my way into higher ed. So that's my high level quick one summary of me. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So I want to get into each of those things a little bit. <laughs> Give some more details around all of that. So let's just start with law school. Um, obviously, we all went to law school together at Northwestern. We graduated in 2014. Um, can you just give us some insight into like why you decided to go to law school? Obviously, you had worked for a few years, as you said before. Um, so how did you kind of make the leap and decide you actually wanted to go to law school? Okay, yeah, it wasn't a natural kind of trajectory for me. So I tell the story often of how um, I was a poli sci major. So right, I think the assumption is, oh, you're a poli sci major, so we know where you're going. Um, but I actually took a con law class in undergrad, where the professor on the first day asked everyone, raise your hand if you're intending to go to law school. It was like a 50 person class and um, <laughs> 47 people raised their hands. And I was not one of them. I was like, hell no, I'm not going to law school that's what you expect me to do um so I don't know if it was just out of stubbornness or what but that was not the path I was I was choosing initially um so I actually got my master's in teaching and that's sort of I thought you know education was important to me in one way or another I couldn't quite figure out where I wanted to be relative to it. Um, so that's sort of how I started out and then I got into ed policy which is what brought me down to DC um and I was working on the hill and I was kind of like, this is really cool, but I don't actually know what's going on, right? I think I kind of felt like I was in it, but not. Um, and I started to realize, okay, I actually do want to figure out the law a little bit um, and have a, a deeper understanding of it. And I also think, you know, part of it is just, I felt like, I do want kind of these greater opportunities and I couldn't quite figure out what that meant. Um, and law school did seem like a natural stepping stone at a certain point. So I kind of, in some ways gave into that, but in other ways was kind of 
pushing against my instinct to not want to do that um, when I went. So then, yeah, that's sort of what got me going. And once I took the LSAT, I was like, all right, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) No going back at that point. (laughs) Yeah, I'd invested too much time and money at that point. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like we share a lot of similarities, Anna, along with Allison, too, that first trying to be deliberate about making a decision to go to law school initially thinking maybe it's not for you or you just didn't want to follow the normal path that people expected you to take, but then seeing where law school could be helpful for you or seeing people that you admired or careers you were interested in where the law gave you some additional insight that would be helpful. So tell us about what you liked about law school. What was your law school experience like? Okay, well, so this is an interesting question because in some ways, because I now work at a law school, I'm like wondering if I'm losing a bit of my own experience because it's melding into like (laughs) our students' experience. So I have to really like, right? I have to ground myself and really remember. I mean, yeah, that first semester was terrifying, Um, but I, on a whole, and I was just talking to um, some of our transfer students about this a little while ago, like I loved law school because obviously I couldn't stay away (laughs) and had to come back. (laughs) Um, Who does that? But so, yeah, I think, you know, there were certain classes I really loved. Um, Like I always ask students what their favorite 1L class was after they're done with 1L. And my answer doesn't seem to be as popular. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) Civ Pro is mine. I don't know, what were yours? Oh, yeah. Mine is also Civ Pro, which I feel like no one ever says. (laughs) Never. Almost never. Hallie, I don't know if I even have an answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was in the accelerated program. That's fair. Oh, yeah, so it all blends. Yeah, I did enjoy Civ Pro, but I cannot say I knew what was going on at the time or what pro actually was fair well with personal jurisdiction as your (laughs) podcast name right i did eventually learn i did (laughs) the good news is you will eventually get there Yeah. yeah yeah wait but what is so what do students normally say i'm actually curious so i feel like contracts is a big one which is really surprising to me and again this is totally biased like I think our contracts professors here are fantastic. Like, and I'm sure they were at our school too. I just was not a subject that like reeled me in. Um, Crim's a big one, I think. And con law, you'll get, you'll get a a smattering of of con law, which makes sense. So, but every now and then I'll find a fellow Civ Pro lover. But but yeah, okay. So that was 1L, right? (laughs) Like got through it. but then I think 2L and 3L really were, is really where I started to kind of find my footing. Um, you know, being on a journal was pretty, I feel like, defining in a weird way for me. I don't know. It was kind of the thing. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to commit to outside of classes and, and spend my time on. Um, so that was a big piece of it. And gosh, I don't know. What else did we do in law school? <laughs> Well, I, know, I don't a lot know if you remember the time we spent pretending to work on our um, 
senior or senior research who knows what that was supposed to be called where we actually did buzzfeed quizzes all all day like that's all we did we set aside time like three hours a week or something and i really think we spent the entire time doing buzzfeed quizzes yeah i I don't know where i was during this time but i wish i had been invited to that well, you probably ended up with a better grade than I did. So yeah, that, <laughs> that, didn't, was, that um, didn't go super well. For didn't me go either. didn't go great. So I want to actually go back to one thing you mentioned, Anna, which was yeah. your experience on Journal. Yeah. What about that? Why did you commit to that? What about that was such a great experience for you in law school? Well, it's so funny because I. Right. I don't know how I got this idea in my head about journal. Like, I don't even know where I first heard about like law review and and what that meant. Um, But it was even before law school. Like, I remember on one of the tours of schools I visited, I like asked about it. I was like, what was I talking about? I didn't know. But um, but so I had this idea. So it was kind of this like storied thing. Right. And so I had set it as a goal for myself to try to get published um, in in law review. Like that was a goal I set for myself, like you know, 1L, which that's weird because I wasn't even on law review at that point. Um, And so I kind of just, it became in some ways like an arbitrary, artificial, you know, it wasn't based in anything that I really knew about. But then it became something I sort of fell in love with. Like I kind of fell in love with the nerdy, like editing and eyeballing. um, And it's something I still take pride in, um, you know, embarrassingly. Um, And the research and really just spending hours and hours kind of trying to devise something that made sense and was original, which, you know, I still think is nearly impossible to write anything original, which is why I'm so in awe of Allison for getting published recently, (laughs) which is amazing. Um, And, you know, I don't know if it's original, but (laughs) (laughs) it's fine. It's fine. But no, like, you know, and I came to realize I actually don't love that writing process as much as I thought I did. Um, But while I was in it, it felt like something I could really take ownership of, which I think is different from a lot of the other parts of law school where you kind of feel like you're just, you have to do it, you know, either because you're told you have to take this class or because, you know, you think that's what you have to do. This sort of became something that I was like, I told myself I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so it became sort of defining in that way. I think that's really interesting that you said it was something that you, like, felt like you could kind of, you know, grasp onto and gave you some, like, purpose. Because I think every law student sort of eventually gets to that place, but it's one of those things where, like, what that thing is going to be for you, I think, can be really confusing in the beginning because the options, as you said, like, how how you found out about law review is just sort of this amorphous idea. Um, and so I think it is cool to kind of explore to the different paths. Like I was on trial team and I deliberately did like a secondary journal because I wanted to commit most of my time to trial team. And that was my thing. Like that was my gave me purpose. And so I think it's great to sort of try to find one of those things. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, journal or law review. Like there's a many options out there, but I do think those things really help even clinics or externships or other stuff like that. Well, totally. And even like volunteer, right? Like we have a ton of volunteer clinics at the law school where I work now. And for so many of our students, it's kind of the thing that defines them or or not even defines Mm -hmm. them, but the thing they took control over and chose. And, you know, since law school, I've done a lot of reading on like, what makes the law student happy? And I swear, if I could answer that, I, you know, would be doing a lot better at my job than I am. But, <laughs> um, but a lot of it is autonomy and control. And especially in that 1L year where you have, 
little to none of that um, because you're not picking your courses, you know, you're not really getting to explore stuff that you think is distinct to you. So that's why when students get the chance to, I think it's so important. And even if they, to the extent they can in one L, it's huge, but yeah. So that was kind of, I'm, I'm realizing it obviously after the fact, right? But I think that's the thing that kind of helped me define myself a bit more and take control. Yeah, and I love that you're saying, um, that first of all, you've done research on what makes law students happy. That's super helpful. But also that the research is, like, says autonomy and control because that's just a nice thing to know. It is really great that we all have this base of classes that we can always refer back to and talk about. And I do think that's important. But everyone's going to start, like, splintering off and forming their own paths. And when you get that autonomy, it's kind of when you can start to define who you are and want to become as a, as a lawyer. Yeah, totally. Cool. Okay. So I think that sort of covers law school. So law school is coming to a close and you're like, what am I going to do next? And I know that, you know, we've had many conversations about like where, you know, where to go from here. Am I going to do big law? Am I not going to do big law? So how did you end up um, taking the next, taking your next step? Okay. So Huh. Speaking of like control, right? I mean, I think in some ways it was after one L year, which again is the time when we don't, we haven't yet kind of figured out exactly where we are or what we want to do when OCI comes along, you know, those dreaded three letters. Um, and for me, before law school, um, I, as I talked about, I'd only worked in the public sector. So I'm like, oh, this private sector thing sounds nice, right? I hear there's, you know, <laughs> fun things that come along with that. Um, and obviously, you know, big law provides a lot of training and that was kind of, um, you know, a normal incentive. And I didn't have any other real path at that point. Right. So that made sense. Um, so I went through OCI and was, was fortunate enough to, to, you know, get a position, um, for my 2L summer that turned into, um, a position for after law school, and that was in New York. Um, but I was looking for clerkships when I was before I was graduating. So the thought would be, and I know this is kind of the traditional path for a lot of people, right? Is you clerk right after law school um, before maybe going to the the law firm. And yeah, it wasn't working out for me. I I went on a couple of interviews, and one I thought I absolutely nailed. And I didn't get it. And the other one I knew I didn't get because it was a disaster. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, okay, so am I going to have to sort of give up on this idea? Because that was another one of those things along with law review that before law school, like clerking, that's sort of what even took me to like, uh, or drove me to take uh, the LSAT. I don't know. It's a long story. I read an article, but um, yeah, so I thought I was going to clerk right out of law school out of our friends did and it wasn't coming together and I was like well I have this great opportunity I'm really thankful for that I'll go to New York that'll be good um and in a lot of ways it did end up being good because it brought me back to New York which is close to um where I grew up and where my parents were um and so that was kind of the the next step right out of law school was was big law in in New York City so a dream for many and for me at that time it wasn't you know wasn't necessarily what I exactly had pictured in my mind in terms of sequencing, but obviously I was really fortunate to be able to get that opportunity in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say like you had this 
dream of sequence in your mind. I think as generally type A individuals, we tend to plan things quite far in advance. And also like OCI, on-campus interviewing and the clerkship interviewing process, all those things are dictated by like, you know, years in advance, you have to be interviewing for those things. Um, And so I think it can be like really frustrating and a huge letdown when you have an expectation in your mind about how something is going to go and then it doesn't look like that. And so I don't know if you felt like that at all. Um, If you were like, oh my gosh, you said that you thought you were going to have to give up on this dream. And as we know from your intro summary, you did not give up on it. (laughs) But yeah, I'm just wondering kind of what that felt like at the time, because you know, I think it can be really hard to have just this mental image of like who you are and where you're going to go and where you're going next. And then to have that not necessarily work out how you thought it would. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to answer that in question in a second, but first I have to say, cause you mentioned the type A thing and Friedman, I do not know if you remember this from our bar trip. We were somewhere, I don't know where at some, like outside of some restaurant. <laughs> in the middle of we nowhere. Were, yeah. Basically we did this like long road trip and we were talking about like type A and being type A in a law school. And I said very sincerely that I don't think I'm type A. And <laughs> the three other girls in the burst out laughing like Friedman just did. <laughs> I'm still not sure where I am, but I guess I'm type A as well. <laughs> Who knew? Um, but yeah, I think the sequencing point is a really interesting one. And it was also, you know, part of these kinds of expectations of what you should be doing um, when you come out of X law school, right? And different law schools have these different kind of expectations. That's what's been interesting for me to learn in my career um, that, you know, that kind of set path or sequence sort of seems to exist everywhere. It is a little different depending where you are. Um, But yeah, I think I had it in my head that it had to be kind of clerkship big law and then then x i don't know you know um and it's funny also because i do remember frustrated at some points in law school because you know some people are like oh you'll never get a clerkship and some people are like you absolutely will right and and it's just such you know for whatever reason that became a really really complicated question um that took up a lot of time and energy i think in our in our lives but But yeah, I mean, should I talk about what happened next? (laughs) Well, yeah, we would love to hear whether working at a firm was a good fit for you after law school. It's such an interesting question. And I think it's really my answer is obviously going to be so personal to me, um, but also kind of my individual circumstances. The firm I worked at, I have nothing but good things to say about them. they were really kind to me in a lot of different ways, including allowing me to switch practice areas like two months in, which I talk about a lot um, because it's also part of this not exactly knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I, you know, my 1L summer, I did a litigation internship and was like, well, that can't be it. (laughs) I was like, I can't be alone in my office on Westlaw for 12 hours a day. (laughs) Um, And so then I switched gears into into this like transactional path and then like two months in big law, a derivatives group. And I was like, well, that can't be it. So I switched into back into litigation. And so anyway, so this is all to say they were really good to me for a lot of reasons. I think, you know, I don't know that I ever was going to feel like perfectly at home 
um, uh, at a law firm in, in New York, a big law firm, I think part of me is a little too shy sometimes to kind of take advantage of the things that maybe I should have. Um, and I, you know, as much as I was already 30 um, when I was a first year associate. So it wasn't like I was, you know, it was because I was too young or anything. I don't think there is such a thing. I, I had friends who were there who were 24 and like had it done. So I really, I don't know. I mean, they, they offered a lot of fantastic resources. I got some amazing experience in a really, really short amount of time. Um, and I got to work on some really cool projects, but it was hard. You know, the, the, the hours were, were tough. Um, and it was hard to explain, of course, to people in my life who weren't at the law firm, why like things were happening. And I started getting migraines, which I had had on and off, but they started coming, you know, I was starting to feel the physical effects. And again, part of that was me not yet having kind of, as we say, like the coping tools, right? Um, and so for me, it, it was it was a mixed bag. It was a great experience that I'm glad I did for me. I, cause I'd be, I'd always be curious otherwise. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, because I hadn't had any private sector exposure, that was nice. Um, but it was also tough and, and I didn't really know where I fit into it. So, yeah. That's helpful to hear Anna. And I think it's also great to hear that you tried to make it work for you by switching practice groups and seeing different opportunities that were available to you at the firm, but ultimately decided it was not the best place for you. But it seems like you also still had a clerkship on your mind because you left to go clerk on the First Circuit. So tell I us did. about why you continued to pursue that goal. Yeah, I mean, I think it became pretty clear for me as right when I started as a law firm that, A, I saw other people doing it. Right. I saw colleagues who were leaving. It was funny. I remember, you know, I don't know if it was every day or every week, we'd get an email and it would say if someone was leaving to go to a clerkship or something. And so I was like, okay, so this is the thing people do. And, you know, I decided, uh, look, I've already kind of taken a different path in that, you know, I was a little older, at least I thought I was right now. I'm like, oh, I'm so young. But, um, <laughs> but right. So I was like, hey, I'm already on my own kind of little path. Why not keep doing whatever the heck I'm going to do? So, yeah, I kept applying and I ended up actually applying to the judge for whom I clerked and his big thing was he wanted someone he wanted people who had at least one year of um, experience as practicing attorneys which you know now having clerked is like hey that makes sense um, and I'm glad I had that really amazing experience and I say this sincerely at the law firm um, because it did allow me to apply you know, even just a, a year of knowledge to, to my clerkship. So I kept going and I thought I, I thought I screwed my uh, clerkship uh, interview up big time. Like I was like, that's it. I'm never, this is never going to happen for me. The interview. Oh my God. I couldn't come up with the, the actual words that the letter stood for in, um, well, I can't even remember what the agency was at this point, but <laughs> it was <laughs> some, agency or administration that I had done some work on matters relating to something about them. Clearly, I can't remember much of it, but I could not. They asked me what it stood for. 
can't even remember it now. Anyway, I couldn't come up with it. And so I was like, well, that's it. But it turns out I, I made it through and I, I got the offer. So that was in November of my first year of working at the firm. So I knew pretty much for most of my time at the law firm that I was going to be moving on to a clerkship. What I didn't know is whether I'd be returning to the law firm or not. Like that was still sort of a question mark um, because yeah, I mean, working a law firm, like I'm sure you've been talking about with a lot of people has its pluses and minuses and there are a lot of pluses. Um, and like, let's be real, the money um, was a thing. I had student loans didn't you know grow up in an especially wealthy household and I was like what are they paying us um so you know I couldn't just write it off um because I was trying to figure it all out so I was even once I got the clerkship there was still kind of a a part of me that thought okay I'll go to the clerkship and then maybe maybe I'll come back we'll see so tell us about that thought process then at the end of the clerkship's before you transition into academia? What were the things that came together that happened that made you make that decision to move from New York to Wisconsin? Yeah, <laughs> that was a leap. Um, so, well, before I even left for, for my clerkship, and this is, you know, sorry if this is TMI, but whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I had mentioned earlier that I was grateful ultimately to be at the firm in New York because it allowed me to be close to my family. My mother, um, who had actually been diagnosed with breast cancer R3 all year, and she it came back um, mm-hmm. once, you know, pretty soon thereafter, so when we were first year associates, and um, she did end up passing away in. Um, in April and so most of like February and March like it happened really fast in some ways and really slowly in other ways but I actually took um, a leave from the firm to be um, with my mother and so you know that whole experience is gonna affect you obviously in the the most basic ways but also just in terms of my life and where I wanted it to go and what I was doing Mm -hmm. and my mom had always been worried about me (laughs) Um, to some extent worried that I was like chasing this like idea of ambition um, and prestige and these things that you know a lot of us seem to try to chase Um, and I don't know if we all just happen to end up in law school or if law school brings it out in us that's you know the big question but you know yeah it totally right um but so she knew that, you know, I'd wanted to be a teacher at one point and I was trying to figure all this out. And she's like, hell, you know, I remember we were in the hospital one day and she's like, hell, Anna, you know, just be a, not just, be a high school teacher. If that's what you want to do, do the thing you want to do um, that's going to make you happy as opposed to the thing that you're, you know. And I was starting to move this way anyway, <laughs> but, um, but having your mother um, say that to you and really remind you, and my mom was an artist. Um, she may, you know, she sold a few paintings in her lifetime, but not a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The fame and the fortune was never going to be the big piece of it, um, but she did what she loved and, you know, was fortunate to be able to do that. Um And so I kind of wanted to follow some version of that path. Now I can't, you know, draw a portrait um, to save my life. So this is like where I found myself. So I kind of started thinking, okay, I don't think my like life at the law firm exactly lines up with 
with that notion. So that sort of started to inform everything as I was going through my clerkship and starting to think about, okay, what's the next step? So I started to kind of think about bringing my world together, right? That that education teaching piece that really always mattered to me um, and loving law school, truly. I did love the law. I do love the law. You know, that's maybe the part I've kind of skipped over in some ways, like, I'm a nerd in every sense of the word about the law, right? <laughs> I love this stuff. I love the puzzles. Um, you know, the feeling when you find that like perfect case, right? Like yeah. these are things I actually enjoy. Who knew? Um, and so I was trying to find a way to kind of start to bring those things together. And again, I'd been doing that a little before the clerkship year for sure. I was already starting mm -hmm. to think along those lines. But once I got to my clerkship and I realized like, okay, we know in law, terms like you have to plan everything out a year or two before so basically mm -hmm. once I started my clerkship I was already starting to think what's going to be my next move and that's how I kind of was able to call on some of the conversations and thoughts I'd had in the year before to to thinking about moving into like law school student affairs which I guess is where I sort of landed yeah I mean I think that the whole discussion that you you know, brought up around sort of ambition and prestige and people's perception of you. We've been talking about this a lot and just also how you then have that piece, but then you have the piece that's inside of you or even your mom voicing the fact that maybe you want to go back to, you know, what it was before sort of people told you what it should be, you know, what would make you happy before people told you what should make you happy. And right. so it's interesting. And I think, you know, all three of us taught before we went to law school and all three of us had en have ended up in some sort of a teaching capacity, which I find to be really interesting. It's almost like we knew when we were younger what we really liked to do. Huh. It's funny how that works. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome that you know you've now taken the step and are in law school administration where you can totally nerd out and still, you know, do some some lawyering and some teaching and helping law students, which I know for you is a big um, source of passion as well. Um, so before we get into that, I want to circle back for just a second to the clerkship piece. And I know yes. we're jumping around slightly, but um, obviously it took you a lot of perseverance to get the clerkship. And I just want to highlight that for anyone out there who is trying to get a clerkship, like perseverance is a lot of it. You won't always get it on the first chance. Like as Anna said, you know, you've applied multiple times. You had some interviews that went great. You had some interviews that went terrible and not every interview also has to be perfect in order to get a clerkship. <laughs> you yeah. might not remember the letters you of the acronym of the place the you work. agencies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at that point you had like real experience and skills to bring to the table and that's what your judge was looking for. Um, and so, you know, if you want a clerkship and it's something that you're passionate about, like keep pursuing it, you know, those connections. And I think it's really important just to highlight that because it, you know, you, you probably won't get it on the first try. Most people, you know, yeah. don't necessarily I, get it on the first try. I completely agree. And also the thing about clerking, right? Like, yeah, I wasn't going to necessarily, you know, go back and be um, a trial or appellate attorney in, in the way that clerkship would kind of apply perfectly perhaps but to me I mean I don't know that there's any experience in some ways more valuable right like I feel like and again that's just me though right I do know that won't be true for everyone but for me I just feel like 
I don't know. It was so fun. <laughs> um, and if someone's at all interested in it, there's so many different ways to get to it, um, different courts to explore, you know, and yeah, I'm just a huge fan of clerking and it was a milestone for sure. So why did you like clerking so much? Obviously you were at the appellate level. And so, you know, what was it about that piece of it that you really liked? I know earlier you said, okay, I don't want to sit in my office and be on Westlaw all day, but I know an appellate clerkship is a lot of, you know, reading Westlaw, other opinions, briefs, things like that, and then drafting opinions. So, you know, if you can just tell us a little bit about, I guess what you were doing on the day to day, but also just why you really liked it and why you're such a proponent of it, even if you don't end up going back to a traditional litigation path. Yeah. Well, right. And it does turn out I did end up just sitting in my office doing on Westlaw, but, <laughs> or Lexus every now and then too, right? Yeah. Day to day, right. So we would, you know, there would be argument once a month, roughly, or, um, and so we would go sit in on those and that was always really cool, but I struggled there cause you have to keep like a really good poker face and I react cause they know, <laughs> right? Like the parties usually know those, those people sitting on the side are the clerks. Um, and so I needed to try to not like show my disgust or like enthusiasm <laughs> for one argument or the other. Um, so I need to keep working on that. I still haven't quite gotten there, but yeah, so that was obviously like the cool part, right? And and the flashy part, but truly the most interesting part was like diving in. And this is why I really appreciated kind of the appellate level. I mean, for what we lost in kind of the adrenaline rush, I think of the the day to day um, trial, which you know, Allison, I'd love to kind of hear more about your experience because I know that's like go go go, right? Um, yeah. So. I lost a little bit of that, but for me, I was like, I could pour over an issue for, I mean, I'd say hours, I'd say days, but truthfully, like weeks and months, like we had some complicated stuff um, and you do, but you get to talk about it with other people, right? So that's where it's not just sitting in your office alone. Um, it was then working with my co-clerks and then, you know, being so scared to turn in that first kind of draft to the judge. <laughs> But then really enjoying the kind of back and forth once you guys feedback and once, you know, you realize like, oh, this is where he wants to go with that, you know. And so just that that kind of working together through a thought process and really struggling through issues, right, um, and puzzling them out and figuring out what's the best way to obviously, you know, uphold the law, maintain the law, sometimes create the law um, and ultimately like respect the parties uh is yeah I don't know it was really cool <laughs> like well who gets to do that that was insane that was really cool so yeah it sounds a yeah. lot too though like your love for law review and your experience with law review I mean that was something I really enjoyed about the process was you can just go to the top of the library with your 12 books and research something for weeks and weeks and weeks and get really deep into an issue. But then you have a group of people who can bring you back down from the top of the library and chat with you about your arguments, the practical side of what you're doing with this potential opinion. So I love to see those parallels. Okay, so you just brought back like the strongest memory, Hallie, for me. And I think this is probably one of the most important things I actually neglected to say about Law Review, which was just that, that working together part. Like I remember 
over Thanksgiving break and winter break, I think, I don't know exactly the breaks, but we would like sit in classrooms, a, a bunch of us and just work on our comment together. And we'd have our like headphones on, right? So we weren't necessarily always talking, but then when we'd hit that sticky point, we would talk with each other. And that was probably one of the best parts of law school. So thank you for bringing back that of memory. Course. I totally forgot about that. But it's so true. It's that collaboration piece, which I know is like one of these buzzwords now that we're in, whatever. But that's the part that actually made me fall back in love with like the litigation side of things once I realized that really is part of it. Mm-hmm. I think this is also interesting because on our first episode, I said to Hallie, like, I could never be a sole practitioner and open my own firm like she's doing because I wouldn't want to sit by myself. <laughs> and she was like, I'm not going to be by myself. Like, I have a ton of, you know, people that I can talk to and draw on. And like, on the day to day, I'm not just sitting here <laughs> like in my own thoughts. And sometimes, as we've just talked about, we all like to do that. Right. But, you know, there is still a huge collaboration piece. And so I think that just goes back to, like, you know, how you want your legal job to look. It may not look how you think it's going to from the outside. Everyone always says an appellate clerkship means that you sit in an office by yourself, you know, and a district court clerkship means that you have so much more action and that type of thing. And, like, those stereotypes are there for a reason because they're true to some extent. But also... There's always the collaboration piece. There's always like working together with other people. And so just because the title of the job sounds like one thing doesn't necessarily mean that it looks like that in in practice. Totally. That's such a good point. And it's true because, and we also evolve about like how much of that we want, right? Like my, when I was at the law firm our first year, so we actually shared offices, which I don't, I don't know how common that was at other firms Mm. I think it like was hit or miss and New York I think it was more common just because of space I guess I don't know but Mm -hmm. um and I was so grateful because I was like thank god I don't have to be in an office by myself like you know when like the scary call from the partner comes in or something um but then slowly I've gotten to be like okay I don't mind having my own office (laughs) (laughs) you change your kind of approaches but yeah I do remember at the firm we did not share offices but I remember basically having something happen and then running into my friend's office next door to be like, this thing happened. And and she would be like, oh yeah, that happened to me yesterday or, you know, whatever. Like it was very much like you needed your people to be yep. able to like debrief with, especially in those like first few weeks or months of the firm. Cause it's totally. just, you don't know what's going on. um okay so i know i got us far afield from where we were headed but i'm glad we covered the clerkship stuff um so now we are brought up to the present day obviously you were living in in milwaukee and you had decided to kind of make the jump to maybe follow you know a little bit more of what you thought you wanted to do follow the teaching path in some way so tell us how you ended up in milwaukee and a little bit about you know, your job, I know you wear many hats, um, but if you can give us some details about, you know, what you do on the day-to-day now. Yeah, and so, right, so I was just applying all over, right? At that point, when I was um, wrapping up my clerkship, and I had actually, at that point, I think, told my law firm that I might be coming back, because I hadn't gotten any other job. I was like, well, okay. Um, but I, I sort of think I knew that I was you know, something would pan out. Um, And so I was applying all over the country. I didn't really have ties at that point. You know, Um, I didn't have something kind of telling me I had to be in X place, Um, which was good and bad because part of me wanted that right after at a Mm -hmm. certain point after moving around, you know, um, from DC to Chicago to New York, I was kind of like, 
okay, I, I don't care where it is, <laughs> but like, I'd like to be able to go somewhere where I can just stay put. Um, and so I found there was this position here and at, at that point I was director of student affairs. And, you know, my position has kind of changed a bit since I first started here, but um, it was dealing with actually our student orgs and a little bit of kind of academic advising, um, curricular advising, but mostly kind of student orgs and some like some of our really big events. Um, and and then I was like, oh, maybe I'll have some free time to just like look at law stuff. I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got the interview and I had interviewed with a few other um, law schools as well. And what was interesting I was finding is that um, it was kind of tough to get these jobs for whatever reason, people, in some ways, people questioned my motives, which is really interesting. So they were like, hmm. oh, you're coming from a circuit court clerkship, so you must want to be a professor. And this is actually probably something I should have talked about before, because that's its own kind of really big juncture, right? Is like talking about working in higher ed, but not tenure track faculty. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure both of you kind of have talked about that a bit. Um, but so they thought I was trying to like backdoor my way in um, to some sort of like tenure track. So that was some, and it wasn't like, I appreciated the feedback. They told like, the guy told me that straight up. He's like, I liked you, but this is what so-and-so said. And I was like, okay. Um, so that was just one of those weird things. Like, you know, take me at my word, right? Um, Almost like is... your credentials are too good. Why are you applying for this position? Yeah, it was like one of those wow. things like you're overqualified, which, you know, that's loaded in so many ways. Um, so so that was an interesting experience. And again, I was at the point where I was like, no, I know I don't want to be a tenure track faculty member for me, in part, as much as I loved that comment writing process. Right. It did drive me a little bit batty. Um, and I, it wasn't the way I saw myself spending, you know, my entire day. Right. I, th I think it's an amazing thing. I'm like, I'd love to do a little research on the side. Um, it just was never going to be for me the thing that could drive me. Um, I wanted to work with students. If I could get in the classroom at some point, that's great. That wasn't necessarily, though, my driving force at this point. It was just to work with students. It was because law school, and this is the part we didn't talk about necessarily, there were really hard parts for me. Um, you know, yeah. I definitely went to CAPS, our uh, counseling yes. center yeah. across the, the way. Um, and so, you know, none of that really made sense why it had to be so, so hard. And so part of me was wanting to, to work with students to kind of figure out some of that stuff. So maybe they wouldn't have to go through that now. You know, again, success levels, we can talk about some other day. But so, yeah. So anyway, so I was like, I knew I kind of wanted to try this student affairs thing out. We had sort of a model of that at our law school that mm -hmm. kind of got me thinking like, oh, this is an actual thing people can do, um, which, you know, I wouldn't have even known that prior to, to going to law school for sure. And so I started applying these jobs and I applied here and I was like, <laughs> I remember when I got the interview. Um, it's like Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Okay. I was like, I know that's close to Chicago because we went to the Wisconsin State Fair that one time. Um, but like, <laughs> I really didn't have a concept, which, you know, doesn't say such great things about me and what I did in my like three years in Chicago. I probably should have explored a bit more. Um, but I didn't realize kind of 
its proximity to a lot of things that I did know and was familiar with, which helped me feel more comfortable with this move to a place where, you know, I'd never been and not just where I'd never been, but where I was thinking, okay, wherever I go next, I'm going to hang out for a while. Um, So that proximity was helpful because it did feel like I was sort of returning to something I knew and loved. I really did love Chicago. Uh, I'm apparently a Midwesterner who knew, although my husband (laughs) calls me a coastie, um, but you know, whatever. Um, So yeah, so I ended up here. My boss who hired me, she was amazing. Like she really took a chance on me in a way because it was like, people were like, who is this woman? Like, why is she coming here? She didn't go to school. You know, like that is a thing sometimes in student affairs positions, people often um, work at the school they went to. um, And that's sort of how the hiring pipeline kind of people know people. And so, so it was kind of you know, a little random in some ways um, for them to take a chance on me. But it was a job I really wanted. And I think I made a good case for that. And yeah, I was lucky enough to get hired here. So, okay, I have a question. It sounds like obviously going to, you know, a big law firm and then clerk doing an appellate clerkship is perhaps not the most quote unquote traditional. And again, I don't really like to use the word traditional because, you know, there yep. isn't necessarily a traditional path to anything, as I think all three of our career paths uh, illustrate very well. Is there something that people who want to go into law school administration often do, or is it just, you know, people tend to, like, go to the law school and then go get into the administration? Or I don't know, again, are there some things that, you know, people who might want to go into that could think about? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's an interesting question because I do think people find their way into jobs like mine in very different ways. Um, some of it is just staying connected if, you know, to kind of the law school community that if, where you live um, and, and kind of knowing when when these things pop up. Um, but I, there are kind of more and more positions I'm finding in di- slightly different areas. Um, and, you know, they're going to be really, law school administration is a big bucket right so there's career planning there's student affairs there's lots of just different facets of what that means i do think i and i think this helped me is so i had my master's in teaching right and um before i even went to law school and having either a background in education or counseling um higher ed administration is its own whole like track for for master's degrees now which that's you know amazing so i think there are a lot of different ways to get about it but you know showing some commitment to kind of just education in general Mm -hmm. sometimes helps but sometimes it's not necessary sometimes you know you care about the law school you care about the law school community you stay involved um and that sometimes opens doors in its own way so Anna, let's talk about what you do oh, yeah. as assistant dean. And I know this is going to be, it, some of it's hard to define. So give us a general sense of what your day-to-day looks like as assistant yeah. dean. So um, it's a few things, right? So on the one hand, I oversee our academic success programming. So that's largely geared towards our 1Ls, but not exclusively. Um, but we have kind of... Um, Formal isn't quite the word, but maybe structured um, is is the better word. Um, Just various programs for our 1Ls, whether it's, you know, weekly sort of review sessions for each of their doctrinal courses led by um, upper level students. So I kind of 
coordinate that program and the training for that. And then we also have, we just have lots of different things. We have weekly workshops in the first half of the 1L semester on just how to do law school. Um, and we really try to ground those in research-based practices. And so I'll lead that. And then I have four upper level students who really do an amazing job kind of presenting a lot of that material as well. So that's kind of a lot of it, especially, and that's where I'm really in it right now, right? Like we have the brand new 1L class and they're amazing. And so it's exciting to kind of get them started. Um, and we just got through orientation, which is another big kind of um, a slice of my world. So in some ways, it's a lot of kind of focusing on, on trying to make sure the 1Ls, you know, have what they need to get started on the right foot and feel comfortable in this like brand new place with all these brand new things. Um, that's one piece of it. And then there's kind of the more general advising that I'm doing day to day um, with any of our students um, from any class year, you know, either because they're having difficulty in a class and so I can work with them kind of on the more just academic advising, talking through, you know, an outlining approach or whatever, um, or talking through um, essentially something that's going on in their world um, mm -hmm. that's making law mm -hmm. school even more difficult than it already is, um, or just the stressors of law school, you know, generally. And then we talk about kind of different approaches. So that's it. And then there's just programming that I tried to do sort of around all of those things. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of stuff, but I feel like those are kind of the, the big buckets for me. Okay. So that's a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different hats that you wear. But I guess of all of those things, or even something, you know, you haven't mentioned just in general, like, what do you like most about the job that you're in, in now? Because I mean, I know that you do genuinely like really like it from having conversations with you. <laughs> um, and so, you know, not every legal job is a good fit for everyone. But I think you have found something that is a good fit for you. So, you know, like, why is that? Yeah. Okay. So I've thought a lot about this um, and I haven't come to a great answer, but I think it's, there's a couple things. First, just kind of when you're one-on-one -on -one talking with a student and kind of, you know, I've learned, I'm still working on this to try and take myself out of it as much as possible, right? Because I, I need to be really careful to not kind of project my experience onto anyone. Um, but just watching our students develop and figure out what works for them and what doesn't work for them. That's just cool to see, right? Like, it's just cool to be a part of that. Um, but then on the kind of other side, and this is maybe, you know, appealing to that nerd who doesn't mind spending some time alone in her office anymore. Um, <laughs> it's like, I do get to kind of really research and think about learning um, and how mm -hmm. that works. Um, and sometimes I just get to research areas that are like, you know, interesting to me um, or teach things that are interesting to me. Those That's always cool as well. Um, I do, I am fortunate to be able to teach a class or two every now and then here. Um, and that's, you know, something that keeps me learning something new. And I really think that's kind of what is the key to me is like learning something new constantly is what keeps me um, coming back for more. Okay, tell me if this is wrong, but it also sounds like 
you have a ton of autonomy in your job and the way that you design different programs and things you do. And it was just reminding me of what you said about what makes law students happy, which is that, you know, when you get to have some of that autonomy and actually have input into things and start to, you know, be the one reflecting on, you know, how you want to design things, that that sort of seems to translate into like legal jobs as well. And when you aren't necessarily told by someone else what to do, but you are the one sort of like designing programs or thinking about things and you have the autonomy that that contributes to some degree to the level of enjoyment. Yeah, I think that's definitely right. I mean, I don't want to overstate my autonomy, <laughs> um, right? Like, and I am part of a, a larger administration. And actually, it's funny, I was just talking with some students a few days ago, trying to figure out, you know, something that was about food, right? It wasn't like a make or break thing. But I was getting so stressed out about it because for me, like, I want to make everyone happy. And it's mm-hmm. just never going to happen. It's never <laughs> going to happen. And that's a really frustrating part of this because, you know, whether it's because like the program that I designed didn't work or the kind of structures that sometimes just need to be there um, don't work or because structures that don't need to be there, but we haven't quite yet figured out how to change, you know, mm-hmm. so Although, Hallie, I want to hear about your your world. <laughs> you got the full autonomy, right? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, but I think it's true what you said. You never, you're always operating in the ambit of some something. So for you, it's it, the administration. You're serving the goals of the dean. You're serving the goals of the legal education system. Um, for me, it's clients and ethical duties and my own, I mean, myself in some way, as far as what my goals are and what my vision is for the practice. But I love the thread kind of from thinking about autonomy to thinking about it in the context of making law students happy to making yourself happy, because that has been something I've desired for a long time, but had to think about what does that actually mean or what does that look like for me? So yeah. TBD, yeah. stay tuned for, who knows, probably season seven yeah. of personal jurisdiction because I think it'll be a while before I have something to report on that. And it just goes to show, like, this is an iterative process. No one figures out immediately what they want to be. And I think, Anna, when we were talking, you know, before we started recording, you said something that just made me smile so much, which is, I think you said, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I resonate with that so much because I don't, I mean, certainly personally, and I think, you know, talking to most friends, most people feel that way, right? It's like kind of the same thing where we were talking earlier, like when you're 25, you think you need to get your career started because you're really old. And then when you're 35, you're like, I'm so young. Yeah. You know, and it's like (laughs) sort of the same thing where you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the prescribed career path and it needs to go this way and whatever. And then at a certain point, you're like, no, it doesn't have to necessarily go that way. You know, and it's much more about figuring out for you what what it's going to look like. And you don't have to know what you're going to be when you grow up now or really ever. It can keep evolving. Totally. I mean, I like hope I'm saying that when I'm 80, because like even now I am trying to try new things and like 
I am trying to bring actually legal practice a little bit more into my life and I'm volunteering with like our pro bono clinics here and it's a little scary right because in some ways I thought like okay that was my past but I'm like no it's something that I'm still interested in and it's new to me now and I want to explore it and yeah I don't know we'll see what happens but that falls into your into your kind of mantra of always learning too and it sounds like you're really able to do that in this position right now which is a good yeah I'm really fortunate so Anna what what how do you think law students since you're our expert how do you think law students can best set themselves up for success what is the advice you're giving to your 1Ls coming okay so first I don't think our current law students would appreciate my me being called an expert on that because I you know <laughs> I don't know what goes well, on there. this is yeah, our podcast and we tell you who the experts are <laughs> no it's us more well, of an okay. expert than us for sure well who knows um but okay so it's funny you ask that because yeah we did just have orientation and so one I mean, I think you guys are going to appreciate this, especially one, we decided to kind of close one one of our last sessions out with just giving like one piece of advice. So there were four of us presenting on one one of these last sessions and it was kind of like a heavy session, you know, we're going into like academic regulations and character and fitness and these things we need to be conscious of. Um, And so I was like, let's lighten this up. I was like, we're each only allowed to take like one or two minutes, which is super hard when you're talking about, you know, professors or administrators, we like to talk. Um, and so we limited ourselves and was like, what's the one piece of advice either you were given during orientation or you've learned the hard way that you want to impart to these, these, you know, brand new students. And so for me, I was going to say something originally about like, don't talk about grades, uh, you know, and because I remember that from our orientation. And I do think that was like a part of our law school culture that I really appreciated. Um, but, you know, I kept having this song play on a loop in my head. Um, and it's the like, it's Fleetwood Mac, right? It's the go your own way. Um, oh, yes. Which I think if you guys can get the licensing rights, I mean, like, I was just thinking <laughs> yes. that. Immediately going to be looking that up after this. Because that's it, right? Like, I mean, that's what I've been trying to do and I'm constantly trying to do and it doesn't work all the time and sometimes it works too well. Um, when I'm talking with students and I'm not career planning and I so, so, so defer to career planning, like they're the experts in their world. But, you know, when I see students getting stressed out anxious and even hurt by like how the whole kind of job process flows and everything and I'm like is this even what you wanted um and like trying to think back to like what did you write in your personal statement what is the thing you want you know I'm not saying be a reckless and be on your own right but go your own way um so that was kind of the piece of advice I gave them. We'll see if it sticks. It's really hard with orientation because they get so much information. Um, and there were, I can give you the other pieces of advice that my colleagues gave, gave which were also great. Um, you know, one was essentially reach out to people, right? Like um, the, Don't yes, suffer exactly. Um, the other was balance, right? Don't just do law school. 
Um, and the other was <laughs> connect um, with like colleagues. Like, so the, the reach out was when something's obviously going wrong, but like also just connect with colleagues and work together and collaborate and everything. So all, you know, good kind of bumper stickers in their own right, but yeah. I love that. That's so helpful. And it's really helpful just to have all of those little snippets in one. We're very lucky to have you just giving all of everyone's advice <laughs> in a little snippet. Um, but especially the go your own way thing. I mean, I think you've highlighted that today, right? Just like going your own way often ends up in a place where, you know, you feel, you know, happy and passionate about what you're doing. And I think that kind of brings us to our last question, which, um, we've been asking everyone this and I am loving the different answers that people are giving. So just what does success mean for you? <laughs> I know it's a, it's a heavy last question. <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs> also there's like pressure now, right? Cause everyone else came up with good answers. Um, no, honestly, oh gosh, I really wish I had something profound here to say, but it's like not defining it. You know what I mean? Like every time I try to define it, I, I crash and burn in one way or another. Um, and so like not making success the thing we're after, we're going after maybe. I don't know. If you yeah. can cobble something from that in the editing phase, like great. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I love that. I actually think that's great because it goes back to the whole like you don't necessarily need to you know, envision your life, you, well, you will envision your life in a certain way, but it doesn't necessarily have to unfold that way in order to quote unquote, be successful. Yeah. Like your definition of success can change and it doesn't have to just mean one thing. And what success means to you right now, probably in two months or five years, or certainly in 10 years will look really different. I mean, I know for me, like, as you said, getting the opportunity to work at a big firm, like that was definitely, you know, a success in my life. And then at a certain point, you know, my goals changed and obviously Hallie's have as well, because we're all in different things than we were when we started out. And so just like the shape shifting that can go totally. along with what success means. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what everyone else said though. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you like asked wow, me again in a, a year, perfect. I'll have a answer, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, a lot of people have said similar things and That'll be a fun part of hearing the rest yeah. of our episodes in season one, because there are so many different versions of what that means to everyone, no matter how fancy their title is. Totally. So, yeah. Anna, it has been so much fun having you on today. We could talk for 25 more hours, but we have to go before I start singing <laughs> Flew and Mac, because it's, it's at the forefront of my mind right now. So thanks for your time today, especially during the busy beginning of the semester. We're so grateful to know you and to have you on Thank today. Thank you for having me. I miss you guys. I want to see you soon. I miss you too. You. Hey, you just said Milwaukee's not that far away. Yeah, I, still I know. Let's, <laughs> let's figure out a way where there's a will. That All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Okay, see you next bye. time. Don't go away. There's more to come in the due diligence portion of our show. Okay, we are back for due diligence. 
So Hallie, I'm wondering what it is about the episode that kind of drew you in the most or something that you wanted to highlight for our listeners. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, this was such a fun episode to record with Anna because it really took me back to those times in the library when we were pretending to work on our senior note or whatever it was called. (laughs) Um, Just fun memories of great friendships in law school. But something else that she focused on was her experience on law review. And she and I shared that experience in the sense that I remember at the time um, of the write-on competition, I was in the accelerated JD program. So it was a little bit of a different schedule than everyone else in the 1L rising 2L class. And I, it was important to me to try to do the write-on contest and see if I could get accepted into a journal. I did end up getting accepted into law review. And at the time, I really did just think of it as, oh, this is something interesting or prestigious to put on my resume. But it ended up being, for me, the probably the best collaborative experience of law school because I ended up being an articles editor my last year of law school. And so we would receive articles from all of the author submissions. We would review them and then discuss them with a small group and decide which ones we wanted to offer for publication. And I felt like that was the period in my law school career where I really started to understand how the law works. And I felt like I was able to learn a lot about different areas of the law that I never even knew existed and then have these very nerdy but very fun conversations with people who had totally different perspectives on the articles or who, you know, oftentimes we would debate about whether an article was something that we wanted to publish, something that we wanted to offer for publication, and also feeling really proud when I was able to change everyone's mind from an article that they thought was maybe (laughs) not um, interesting enough or not of the caliber for our journal, and then bringing them around to my side. And so I loved kind of reflecting back on that with Anna and hearing her perspective about how journal was something that started maybe similarly to how it did for me, but then ended up being one of the things that gave her purpose in law school. And many of the skills that she gained during that experience also have, she's carried those on through not only her career at a law firm, but also now in her career as an administrator. So that's what I've been thinking a lot about since we talked to Anna, but what about you, Allison? Yeah, so I just want to piggyback on that for a second. I think, you know, two things you said. One is the collaboration piece, um, and the other thing is the purpose piece. So, you know, I think a lot of times in the first year of law school, you're sitting in the library and, you know, reading textbooks, and it can be kind of lonely. Um, You know, even when you're in class, of course, you're around other people, but you're being put on the spot um, with the Socratic method, right? It doesn't feel super collaborative. Um, cause you aren't in those discussion based classes. And so I do think sort of those extracurriculars, you know, journals, um, trial teams, just joining a student org, all those things 
are really important for like mental health reasons, but also, as you said, to kind of expand your horizons and, and collaborate with other law students, which is one of the coolest things about being in law school, because there's so many, as you said, smart people, you're just sitting around nerding out and talking about, you know, different, different articles from scholars from all around the country mm -hmm. that are sending them right to the law review, which is super cool. And then the purpose piece, I think, is is really interesting because, um, you know, this kind of ties into what what I've been thinking about, which is uh, Anna's amazing research <laughs> um, on autonomy. Right. And she said, you know, in the episode that, you know, the law students who are the happiest have some autonomy and control over what they're doing in their law school, um, you know, paths. And so I think that can be a way to give, you know, law students purpose. And I think we both experienced that, as you're saying, like when you joined a journal, I know for me, it was when I joined trial team. And again, it was a cl close knit team of, you know, four people and we practiced several times a week. We spent Saturdays together mm -hmm. all day, which is crazy to think back about. <laughs> Um, but I think that that gave us, you know, some purpose and that ties into Anna's research, which I just find to be incredibly helpful because I don't know why as lawyers, we research everything, but for some reason it's never dawned on me that like, you know, you can do a ton of research about this and Anna, like that's a huge part of her job. So it's just super valuable to have her, her share that with us. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I've been thinking about, um, one other piece that I just like cannot let go before we let this episode go is just her mantra and I wish could be our theme song, Same. which is just the go your own way. I have literally been listening to that song like nonstop since we recorded this episode. I love it. Um, because I do think it's so true. Like, you know, even in figuring out like my career right now and sort of, you know, where I am in this space as, as a clinical fellow, um, I'm just thinking about, you know, how I can go my own way and forge my own path and, you know, come up with new um, ideas for teaching classes for students, all those things. And I think that is just so applicable on the macro level to career trajectories, but also sort of on the micro level on the day to day when you're thinking about like how you want um, you know, your career and your to intertwine with your life and you can go your own way and do your own thing. Yes, because aut autonomy leads to satisfaction and happiness. So gosh, it's amazing how we tie all these things together. I wish um look at that. We didn't even really plan it. I'm, I'll just I tell our listeners that secret. It just has all come together. Um, and makes makes a lot of sense. And just a reminder too that in our show notes you can check out a couple of articles that Anna has sent to us about the idea of autonomy and self-determination in law school and for legal careers. So if you want to do a little bit more due diligence or a little bit more reading about <laughs> these topics, we have a couple of great articles from Anna. So what a great episode. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in. That concludes due diligence and we're super excited to see you next week. See you next week. Personal Jurisdiction is powered and distributed by Simplecast. You don't have to wait until next week to hear more. You can find us online at personaljxpod.com and on Twitter at personaljxpod. Don't forget to subscribe to Personal Jurisdiction on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen so that you can be updated on the latest and greatest from Personal Jurisdiction. 
If you like what you hear, make sure to rate us five stars and leave a positive review so that other listeners can find our show too.